We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. going everybody the Bronx Pinstripe Show number 23 we have made it halfway through the season we are at the all-star break so uh, no Yankees baseball tonight we are recording on a Monday uh, tonight is the home run derby but uh, Scott how's it going it's going well I'm, uh, I'm very excited and happy to where we are I'm happy about where we are for uh, for the Yankees season at the all-star break it's definitely we're in position uh, to to really take this down the home stretch and I think a lot we're we're in a better position, I think, than a lot of people really expected. So I'm a happy man. I'm a I'm a happy person going into this All Star break. And I think you're extra happy because your guy Ref Snyder had a, had a nice little weekend. Not only did he get called up to the major leagues and take over second base for 180 Stephen Drew, but he made his he he earned his pinstripes in the first series against the Red Sox. I mean, he had his moment. Granted, it was a little bit of a, you know, it was it was some insurance runs, but they were, they were big. There at the end of the game, they were they were the runs that actually we needed to win the game. But I mean, Ref Snyder comes in, gets his first base hit and his first home run in the same game, um, gets just off to a just a torrid start, and uh, it, it was awesome, man. He smoked that ball over the monster, and just seeing that that youthful exuberance coming from second base gets me pumped up. I'm sure we'll talk about Ref Snyder quite a bit this episode in a little no bit. No doubt. But uh, you had a good week uh, early in the week, too. You went to Hank's Yanks. How was that? 
Yeah, so we went to Hank's Yanks. It was it was uh, Rich Kaufman, and and we went, and it was uh, it was awesome. Actually, it was a really good time. We gave away two other tickets as well for uh, for people to go to the to the cocktail hour and the dinner. Uh, we did that on Facebook, and um, so I know everybody had a lot of fun. And I'll tell you the one the the golf event and the dinner and the cocktail hour was run just beautifully. I mean the the guys who ran it. Um, big shout out to those guys, Red, who uh, Mike Walsh, who was the the guy who ran it, um, did a terrific job. And they had you know a silent auction, they had uh, a dinner, they did a whole bunch of different things to fundraise for Hanks Yanks and some other uh, great charities. But I'll tell you, as a you know coming into it from like if you're a fan and you want walked into this, it was so much fun because all these guys were so accessible. I mean, it, you're pretty much just hanging out in a in a cocktail hour setting, right? And you're you're able to go up and talk to whoever you want. Um, so what so are some did, of the, who are the, who are some of the highlights that you got to talk to? So I'll tell you one of the, my favorite guys talking to was uh, was Pat Kelly. Pat Kelly is he's um, he's here like half the year, but he's also he's coaching in Australia right now, um, and he's also a scout with the Dodgers on the Pacific Rim. But he's just a, a lot of fun to talk to. He, we were talking about I don't know if anybody saw this, but I I tweeted out on Bronx Pinstripes few weeks ago a picture of the 96 Yankees going to uh, David Letterman and the the caption or, or what what Pat was saying was that the the one thing that the Letterman guys told him or told the entire team not to do was to touch Letterman's hair they're like don't touch his hair just don't touch his hair and I was I, so I had to get the, to the bottom of this story and uh and and Pat was telling it for I, don't know, I was talking to him for like 15 20 minutes about it and um, so the picture is is the, the, the pretty much the '96 Yankees just popping champagne and spraying the living hell out of David Letterman on the set. <laughs> so if you haven't seen it, go check out our media uh, our media feed on on Twitter. It's a, it's an awesome picture. But um, yeah, he was he was a he was a blast to talk to. David Cohn was a blast to talk to. Uh, he he was there like really nice guys. Um, who else was there? So you uh, got a little video from Boomer. Got a little video from Boomer. Boomer Wells was in. It was exactly the way I'd expect him to be. Uh, just a real loose dude who was, um, you know, funny and just, uh, just really, really approachable. Very nice to talk to. Um, Hank Steinbrenner was there. I got a, I got a couple minutes with the boss, which was cool. Um, Give him a piece of your mind. I did. I gave him a little bit of piece of my mind. I was talking to him. I actually spoke to him uh, about the, you know, the fans and and how. Uh, you know, getting fans more involved with some of the aspects of the Yankees and during the games and things like that. So um, I think that's that's an area that I think they could improve on a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, he listened to me, gave him my card, and he said he'd call me. So I'm, I'm yeah. waiting by the phone, holding my breath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, Probably going to be waiting a while. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun. It really was. It, every Everybody there was uh, was really cool, and, um, you know, we had a great time. And I know – and A-Rod was there. We We didn't get to – to meet him, um, he kind of had a swarm around him, but you know he he was there for I'd say about an hour hour plus, and was uh, was great with all the kids, signing autographs and talking with the kids, and um, you know so he was very good. And I know Rich Rich's goal was to get a picture with with A Rod. Well, he technically did. He did. I know. If you look at it, it's it's hilarious. There's a picture. There's like a a pro picture of of um, of A Rod signing autographs for kids that was taken by like you know Getty. Photos, someone who put it on Getty Photos, and A Rod used it as uh, a picture on his on his Twitter and I think on his Facebook page. And there you see A Rod and all these kids, and in the background is Rich Kaufman <laughs> with his phone up, 
taking a picture of, of A-Rod. So, yeah, he's in a picture with him. Yeah, and then over the weekend, Rich was at Fenway for the Saturday game. And he just, late after the game, just tweets out a picture of A-Rod, like, two feet from him. And, I'll, and, and I'm like, what the hell is going on? So I <laughs> yeah, tweet him. I'm like, where the hell are you? He's like, I was just leaving the bathroom and out walks A-Rod. I was like, all right. You're pretty, you sure you're not stalking the man? Yeah, that's, it's a little that's, weird. That's twice in a week, Rich. We need to watch out for yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if A-Rod has a restraining order yet against him, but it's <laughs> probably not a bad idea. Yeah, he's like personal paparazzi. Yeah. It's pretty funny. But yeah, overall, the, the tournament um, and the dinner, we actually just went for the cocktail hour and the dinner, and it was a lot of fun. But um, other guys that were there that we met, Jim Lairitz, um, Cecil Fielder, um, so Brian Bowringer, it was, it was a lot of fun. Nice. A lot of, a lot of 90s guys there, a lot of guys from the 90s team, which I'm sure a lot of the people uh, who are listening, and I know myself, I mean, those are the guys I grew up with. So that sounds awesome. Yeah, it was. It was like my childhood in front of me. It was pretty cool. Yeah. So tonight, as I mentioned, is the Home Run Derby and tomorrow's the All-Star Game. Uh, you know, I don't know. What, what are your feelings about the, the All-Star break and, and Home Run Derby in general? You know, I have I've always loved the All-Star break and, and the Derby. Just I mean, from going back to when I was a kid. You know, I'll during the summers we used to go down when I was a when I was a kid in in like elementary and middle school. We used to go down to Vero Beach, Florida. We have family down there, and my mom worked in the school system, so we would go down for you know a few weeks. And like the All Star Game was always a big deal to me because you know I always get my friends from Vero or the the people that were down there that I knew, and we'd all always just have like a big thing for the All Star Game. It was always a big deal. I mean, I mean, just like remembering like the Bo Jackson home run and. Um, there's just some really great moments, I think, in the baseball All-Star game. I think it's the best All-Star game uh, in all the professional sports. Yeah, so. I definitely agree it's the best, but I think it, it's because it can be played the most normal. Right. Um, you know, pitchers are still trying to get hitters out, and hitters are still trying to get hits. Where in, like, the NBA All-Star game, there's no defense. Hockey, right. there's no defense. There's no hitting. And football might as well just be flag football. I think it would actually be more exciting if they just played flag football than uh, in pads. Uh, so I definitely agree that the, the baseball all-star game is the best. Uh, however, it shouldn't, it should not count for home field advantage. I think we are all in agreement on that one. Oh, uh, some people aren't. I mean, they, they put it in Mr. Uh, Mr. Selig put it in, but I agree. It's a, it's an exhibition game and I think it should be treated as such. You know, I, you have to have a level of competitive uh, and competitiveness in this game because you still have a guy throwing 95 miles an hour to another guy. Um, and there's just a lot of dangers if you don't take that seriously. So, but, but at the same time, it can be, it's a lot of fun too. Like there's, there's always, you know, a good amount of like joking around and, um, I forget what it was. It was when Bonds hit a home run, like someone like tackled yeah, him in the Hunter, field. Tory yeah, Hunter that's what it was. Him. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of great moments, um, that I think it can still be played seriously and competitively, but also fun. You know, there, there there's that moment when Randy Johnson was thrown at Cruck and he right. was, you know, bailing 15 feet out of the box because he was yep, scared yep. that was awesome um so there's moments like that that i think are great that um the game should be about and instead it's about you know who's going to have home field advantage yeah the whole home field advantage thing just doesn't make any sense to me i mean you're not nobody's earning that you know you should be earned during the season in this in this you know we play 162 games can you, can you give these guys a, a benefit at the end for making the, the World Series and giving them home field advantage if they have the best record? 
you know, yeah. it's so it's crazy why they they put it on an exhibition game. And it was so always I, about, I hope they change that. It was always about pride for these guys, American leaguers versus National Leaguers. I mean, there, there's you know, you, you hear about how oh the AL won you know for for ten straight years and the NL had a run and then the AL came back in the nineties. So I mean, I think I think that's what it should be about. Um, and, and the home run derby, uh, I think, uh, has totally jumped the shark for me. Um, I know they're switching it up this year. They've got the bracket and they've got five minute time style, which who knows? Maybe it'll it'll be exciting and hopefully it'll go quicker because I think the last few years it's been about three hours long. Which of hearing Chris Berman just go back 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 for yeah, three yeah. straight hours is is <laughs> nauseating. But uh, I, I don't know. But, but what about Josh Hamilton at Yankee Stadium? I mean, the, I mean, sure. The the derby the derby sets people up for moments like that yeah, as well. But those are few and far between in the home run derby, especially since <clears throat> the uh, the game is not what it used to be uh, about ten fifteen years ago. No, I'll, I'll give you that. Um, I still I enjoy watching the derby. I think it's fun to watch. Um, but but yeah, it's 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 long. It's very long. The one thing I always remembered was um, when I was a kid too. I I don't even remember what channel these were on, but I don't even know how I watched these. But I don't know yeah, if you yeah. ever saw those old school home run derbies. Uh, yep, yep, yep. With like you know, it would be like Mickey Mantle and and whoever, and they yep. they go and they interview a guy that the stadium is empty, <laughs> yeah. and they're just going up there and so smoking. Balls. That was old. That was Wrigley Field in Los Angeles is where okay. they did those, uh, and they used to be on Saturday morning. Um, and yeah, they. I think those were filmed in the off season. Um, okay. And it was just the two guys with an announcer. Yeah. No one in the in the stadium. Just yeah. taking BP, trying to hit home runs. It was cool, just because you get to know the guys too, and and that was kind of like a turn back the clock. So they were on Saturday mornings. I don't even remember when they were on. I just remember seeing them when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, they should definitely replay those. Someone yeah. needs to get a hold of that footage <laughs> and put them back on because I would love to watch those. Yeah. yeah it was black and white footage. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, so, uh, all-star game, uh, Yankees who were voted to the all-star team, Betances got his second selection Teixeira, his third selection, which I was actually surprised it was only his third, but then you look at his baseball reference page and realize that he had three straight seasons of bouncing around from team to team. Right. So, you know, he got traded a couple of times, so he didn't really make it in those years, even though he had good years and Gardy, uh, got, he was in the final vote, but, um, he replaced, Alex Gordon, who's down with a groin injury. So good for Gardner to share in Betances. Um, all three guys definitely deserve it. I think A-Rod, though, you can make a case he got snubbed to not even be on the final vote or anything like that. I just, yeah, I mean, I guess so. I just don't see them putting him on um, with all the controversy that's been surrounding him. And I don't see, I definitely don't see the uh, the the fans voting him in. I mean, I, think. I don't. I don't know. I feel like. I feel like that could have. He could have won that final vote because people. I think want to see. Want to see the, the the polarizing figure yeah, in the All Star game. Exactly, yeah, maybe. Exactly. Yeah, I, I don't think a, uh, Major League Baseball was going to put themselves in that situation. But yeah. then you, you turn around and you see that. Um, uh, that I can't think of his name right now. The Milwaukee Brewers. Braun. Uh, Ryan Braun gets put on. Uh, and nobody bats an eye about it. So right. you know, there's there's a huge double standard. Obviously, we've been t- we've talked about this, and and everybody in New York um, knows about this because we're kind of in this in the spotlight on this on what they're you know what they're doing with and what they've done with a Rod. But um, so yeah, I don't I don't think he was. I mean, was he snubbed based on the numbers? Sure, look at the numbers. He he deserves to be in the game. Um, but you know, I, I didn't expect him to be on the team. Yeah. 
I mean, he was also snubbed based on the fact that, he, like you said, the numbers, but also, the, I mean, his career numbers are are better than most anybody's, and he is one of the most polarizing figures in the league, and he'll attract eyeballs to the game. So I, I really think MLB missed a chance there to have A-Rod on the All-Star team. Uh, I think it would have been uh, very entertaining. It would have been entertaining. I'm wondering, I wonder how um, Manford... You know, kind of approach that if he was uh, if he was in on that decision. Yeah. So uh, some news over the week, um, as I'm sure everyone knows, Ellsbury and Miller returned from the DL on Wednesday, which is good. Sort of got some midseason acquisitions there, uh, if you think about it that way. The Yankees um, are expecting Beltron to be back sometime after the break, and then uh, Chase Headley had a little bit of a, a calf injury that uh, held him out three games this week. So uh, that was, you know, they sort of just had to weather the ship for for a couple of days with him. Yeah, and Headley's just been that steady guy at third. I think he's he's really come into his own. Um, you know, he's not going to hit for a huge average, uh, but he's he's steady over there. He's going to hit two fifty, two sixty. Uh, he's probably going to hit you know twenty twenty home runs, fifteen to twenty home runs, and uh, he plays good defense. I mean, I think early on we talked about this last week, so I don't want to beat a dead horse, but. Um, you know his defense. I think has gotten back to what he, what we expected him to be, and uh, he's just like that solid guy at third base. So uh, I'm glad he's on the team, and um, I'm, I'm glad that that calf injury was not more significant. And the big news over the weekend was that Ref Snyder got called up, and I think we have a little audio from from Sunday's game after after he hit that home run. Rob, your first home run comes in a win against the Red Sox at Fenway Park over the Green Monster. How cool is that? Very cool. You know, you know something you can only, you know, dream of. So, um, you know, those runs, you know, we definitely need them because, you know, the Red Sox made a little run right there. But, um, you know, it's a very special moment. You know, he left a slider out over the plate, and uh, I, I knew it. You know, when I hit, I got it pretty good. So, um, you know, special moment. My family's here. So it's, you know, something I'm, I'm sure will cherish for, you know, the rest of my life. After the first game, like I said, after that double play and my first at bat, I got, kind of felt normal. felt like the tempo was, was where I wanted to be. So, um, you know, uh, it's nice getting to win, going to all-star break. I, I know a lot of the veterans and a lot of us are going to enjoy our time off. It's going to be fun watching some of the guys in the all-star game. Um, uh, you know, well-deserved. So it's, it's uh, you know, a good time to be a Yankee. And it's a it's, uh, really cool, cool um time in my life for sure so i'm mad at myself for missing that home run i was i was sweating my ass off golfing yesterday it was about 95 degrees and i'm trying to follow on my phone and i see that ref snyder not only got his first hit but his first home run at fenway against the red sox and i didn't see it i saw it it was amazing it was awesome. I actually, we've been testing out Periscope a little bit. Uh, I don't know if anybody's seen it on the Twitter feed, but I was actually on Periscope live, uh, hanging out with some people, and uh, and he hit the home run. So I, I went a little crazy about it. I've been waiting for for this kid to make his debut for a very long time. Seems like we've been talking about it every single episode, and uh, he does it, and you know, in in grand fashion. Uh, it was an awesome. He crushed the ball. I mean, it was a no doubter, and. Um, to, for it to just go over the monster the way it did, and and uh, he was pumped up, man. And the Yankees did not give him the silent treatment. They were just all pumped up, ready to go. I think they, I think they like seeing a, a young kid, you know, up in the lineup, making uh, making a difference. Oh, definitely. I mean, you can see what a young player can do for a team. Um, 
I mean, obviously on the field, he hit the home run, but also for the clubhouse. I mean, it energizes some of these guys. It, and to have a guy come up through your minor league system that you drafted, yep. I mean, it, it it's good for the team, I think. It can really be a catalyst. And well, and the fan base loves that. I mean, yep. there's nothing there's nothing Yankee fans love more than their own homegrown guys who turn into superstars or turn into turn into good players. I mean, that's those are the guys that we love and 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 you know, just uh relish the most. Absolutely. So um, so Friday night uh it's Friday night during the game or, or just after the Friday night game. Jack Curry tweeted that he, he uh, was hearing that Ref Snyder was going to be called up for Saturday's game. And it definitely surprised me. I don't. I mean, I didn't expect it. Uh, did you? Well, expecting it, I guess, is, is a different. I don't know if I expected it. I've been expecting it all year. <laughs> but, 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 it but the timing is very strange. It came the out of nowhere. Yeah, the timing is strange. Um, it's like finally Joe Girardi looked at the at the batting average of Stephen Drew, and he's like, "Oh my God, he's still under 200." He's like, "We got to get this kid up who's hitting four. He was hitting over 400 in his la- in the last month, I think, in AAA." Yeah, well, it's not um, a Girardi call; it's a Cashman call. I mean, I, I have to believe that Girardi has influence on that call. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He manages the roster on the field. Um, he's got to have a say in that, no doubt. So. The fact that Girardi kept sticking with Stephen Drew, um, the, you know, there was definitely a uh, – it had to be an influence. The timing is weird to me. Yeah. Just before the All-Star break, that's the only thing um, that, that I'll say about that. But Also at Fenway, I mean, the kid played well over the weekend. So he did. He, clearly he can handle some pressure. But usually you don't like to call a guy up uh, who you're, you're thinking is going to be a top prospect and hopefully going to be a big part of your team for a long time. Usually don't call him up in a pressure situation like that. Usually try and get him up either on the road, you know, in like a in like Houston or Kansas City or something, or at home where his home crowd is going to be behind him. Well, uh, the only thing I could say is that I really hope um, that that he's up to stay yeah. uh, because this, this is, is so that was my next question. Yeah, the, that, well, the, the deal is is I mean we just we just got to wait, I guess. Yeah, so there's been rumors that the Yankees just called him up because they're showcasing him for the trade deadline. Right. Which <laughs> makes me so angry. And I mean, yo, yeah, because we don't need second base help because that's not a flaw in our team. I mean, it's not like one of the biggest flaws. Why would we, why would we need second base help? Now, it makes no sense to me that we have uh, a kid who we've been waiting for and waiting for and grooming and who has been producing throughout the minor leagues um, and then one of the biggest glaring holes that we need on this team is at that position. So it makes no sense to me to trade him. It really doesn't. Well, unless uh, they're trading him for a guy like Zobrist or something. Again, makes no sense. That makes zero sense. <laughs> to, to me, that makes absolutely no sense. Am I, why am I going to trade a kid who has all the potential in the world for a guy that we kind of know who he is? Yeah, um, and I'm not, I'm not doing that trade at, at all. And it, it, the, the, the thing that doesn't make sense for me is that you know, Ref Snyder has been crushing it in the minor leagues. He is one of their top prospects. I think he's becoming well known around baseball as a, you know, maybe not top, you know, 10 prospect, but definitely a very good prospect uh, that is, you know, at least well known throughout baseball. Bringing him up can only hurt his value because if he hits, great, he still has value on the trade market. And if he doesn't hit, then what? A team's going to be like, no, we don't want him anymore. He went, you know, one for 15 in the major leagues in his first 15 at-bats. It's like, what's the win there? I don't get that. So that's why I don't believe this. I think these these rumors are exactly that. I think it's just people talking in the wind. Um, because, one, I, like I said, I mean, that, that's one of the biggest holes on our team is second base. And we have a top prospect coming up 
who is I mean, if you if you watch him play, um, and I know people were talking about his defensive deficiencies, but it, from what I've from what I understand, um, and we're gonna have um, one of the Scranton beat writers on as a special episode coming up too. We're gonna find out even more about Ref Snyder and 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 uh, someone who's seen him every day, but. The um, the fact that he played right field and, and he's coming in and and you know this transition to second base has he's been improving and improving and improving, um, really to me is is something that's that's very good and, and should be talked about because he's a raw athlete. If you're watching him play in Boston, you can tell his athleticism. I mean, the kid can move like anybody in the major leagues. He's a, he's a, he's an athlete. Yeah, I mean he's he's still learning the second base position. And if he can provide offensive uh, help like we saw yesterday, then I think if he can just play uh, an average second base, then that's a huge, huge benefit for this team. No doubt about it. Keep him up, man. It, I, I truly believe, I think they brought him up to start, and, and he's going to stay to start. God, I, I think that's so. why they brought him up. I hope so. I mean, he could really, really be an exciting aspect of this team in the second half. Um, and a team that's in first place right now by three and a half games you you bring in uh, you you just get Ellsbury and Miller back, and you bring in a guy like Ref Snyder, who's some young blood onto this team in a position of need. As you've been saying, I mean that that's three guys right there that I think could be huge in the second half. No doubt about it. And just another point, just just be, I just thought about this, um, but the Yankees are very well known for having a worldwide brand, right, and buying into the Japanese market. Well. We not only is Ref Snyder a top prospect in a position that we need, but he's also Korean-born that could really spark a lot of interest in a complete in another country for the Yankees. I mean, look what Jeremy Lin did for the Knicks at that time. I mean, honestly, that's that's a, another aspect, a marketing aspect for the Yankees, which we know that they're great at and they're always uh, they're always looking at. Um, that could be another aspect of why this guy is even more value, uh, you know, for the team itself. Yeah, I mean it's it's a totally valid point. Uh, didn't didn't really think about it that way, but um, yeah, absolutely, definitely a, a good point there. So uh, let's get into some of the games uh, over the last week. Um, they're four and two over the last week since we last did a podcast, and as I just said, they're three and a half games up on Tampa, and they have the fourth best record in the AL. They're currently eight games over five hundred going into the All Star break, which um, if you sort of ask me. I want to say two weeks ago when they were hovering around 500, I mean, couldn't have really asked for anything better. No, I think we've, uh, the streaky play has almost, has, has really kind of leveled off, right? We've, we've been winning a lot more games lately. Won the last three series. Yep. And they, so they've been, they've really, uh, they've, they've knocked up their consistency and I think we're getting, um, the, you know, we're hitting the ball a lot better. You can see, if you look at our box now and the, and the averages within the, on the team, you're seeing a lot higher averages. Um, over the past month, I think, than we saw early in the season, where where people it seemed like half the team was at 240, 230. Um, but we're seeing a lot more. I mean, Ari's hitting for average. Ellsbury hasn't been playing, but he's been hitting for average. Gardner obviously has been just on a torrid, had a torrid uh, June and into July. I mean, he's he's been he's kept it up. So, um, and then McCann has really turned it up as well. McCann's McCann's been a an extra base hit machine lately. Um, with big hits too, so I think the offense has really uh, picked it up. So Tuesday versus Oakland, first game of that series, they lost four to three in ten innings. And the thing that I want to mention from this game is that the Yankees are now two and five in extra inning games and twelve and twelve in one run games, 
which is kind of surprising because their bullpen has been so good, especially Batances and Miller. Um, back into the bullpen, they've also had guys like Shreve and Wilson emerge. So to, to be 500 in one-run games and to have a losing record in extra innings is kind of weird to me. Yeah, it is a strange stat. You know, I, I think maybe early in the season when our bullpen, besides uh, guys not named Batantis and Miller, were struggling, um, you know, you could see that a lot more. But lately, the bullpen's just been so good. I mean, everybody has been has been pretty good. I mean, we've had a couple blemishes with uh, with Batantis and um, uh, some other guys that have been a little shaky, but consistently and across the board, I think they've been a lot better. So I, I agree that stats a it's a strange looking stat. Yeah, and there were the, in that game against Oakland, they left seven men on base and were three for eleven with runners in scoring position. So they shot themselves in the foot. Uh, Could have won that game in nine innings easily, but instead um, they went to extras. Batances in a second inning of work gives up the home run uh, to lose the game, and uh, sort of like we like like we've been saying, one of those games for Batances where he just leaves a pitch in the middle of the plate. Yeah, it's going to happen from time to time. I think it's happened uh, what twice in the past two weeks. Yeah, uh, but am I again? Like I said last week, I'm not worried about it. No, me neither. All right, Wednesday they got the win five to four um, against Oakland. CC had a very CC like performance: five and a third innings, seven hits, two earned runs, ton of guys on base, um, sort of working out of trouble. Um, but uh, so the the good thing is it was only two runs. The bad thing is he only pitched five and a third innings, and the bullpen again was left out to dry. I mean, CC's a, uh, he's our fifth starter, basically. <laughs> right. So if he gets the five innings, I'm happy. Uh, two, two runs, five innings, uh, you know, pitches into the sixth. It's almost a, qual- almost a quality start there. Um, so, you know, so good this, job, CC. This was the game that they pushed him back three days to, yep. to uh, give him a little extra rest. And I also think they did it so he would only have one more start before the All-Star break. So now he's going to have about a week off after, or a week and a half off after that last start. He needs to come back and really show something in his first few starts after the All-Star break. I'm not saying he's going to go out there and pitch eight shutout innings, but he needs to start getting into the sixth inning, or through the sixth inning, sorry. Uh, He needs to start giving them a little bit more length, or else you can't keep him in the rotation and have a guy every fifth day go out there and only give you five innings. It's going to tax the bullpen way too much. Well, I think uh, a couple things on that. One, I don't think he's going anywhere. I, I think he's just gonna he's gonna be in the rotation for the rest of the season unless there's an injury. Um, there, there, he didn't he drain his knee. He had his knee drained as well over the past uh, when, when they extended that start. Um, so there, there, uh, he's obviously having some some issues with that bulky knee as well still. Um, so that that could be something we look at, you know, f- and and see if the if these struggles continue, they may shut him down um, based on that knee. Um, and then, you know, I, I think the way that our bullpen sets up right now with we have a couple long guys with Warren out there. I think Girardi is playing this playing this this bullpen game now with with expectations of, you know, he's got a couple guys that are, are not going to give him long starts. And well, I think I think that's what he's playing into. Is Warren a long guy or a short guy? I think he's a long guy. I think because... he's a long guy. <laughs> But he he was used as a long guy um, last week in right. against Oakland, and then he was used as a short guy twice over the weekend against the Red Sox. So what's going on? I don't know because usually long guys are are 
you see long guys in mop up duty or if right. you know he's the, too it, good to be a long guy I, I i agree with that but he's got a he's a guy that gives you some length he's just not conditioned right now to throw just one two innings it seems like or his head's not there yet you know he's he's been starting all year so i i don't know i don't know how that mentality changes with like a drop of the hat or you snap your fingers and then all of a sudden you're a, a one to two inning guy I don't, you know, I've never been in that situation, obviously. So I don't know what the mentality is there and how easy that transition is. So, um, you know, maybe they're easing him into that situation. Maybe the All Star break can help him with that 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 transition phase. I don't know. You know, I don't know. What do you think about that? So, I, I mean, I love Warren's stuff out of the bullpen, but I think Girardi needs to start using him in clean innings um, because we saw him come in against the Red Sox twice with guys on base and struggle. Um, we'll get into it in a second. One of those wasn't really his fault, but then yesterday, Sunday, kind of didn't pitch that great. But I think he needs to come in in a clean inning because he has the starter mentality from earlier in the season. If he comes in with a clean seventh or something like that, I think he can be fine for this team as a one-inning guy. But I don't like him coming in with uh, you know first and second and one out or something like that. I'd rather see a guy like Shreve or Wilson or Batances come in in that situation. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, that makes sense as far as the mentality aspect. I think you know, starting off with a clean inning is like starting. Um, so you know, everything he, everything that happens behind him is on him at that point. So, um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Another thing, a note from the Wednesday game is that Teixeira was just unreal. Back to his 2009 form, which we've seen pretty much all year. He hit two home runs and had two unbelievable uh, web gem plays in the field. So um, I just wanted to mention that because Teixeira made the all-star team and I, I really do think that he has been um, you know, one of the three most important players on the team. Dare I say X-Factor? Yeah, I mean definitely X-Factor as I, <laughs> as I said earlier in the season that he could be the X-Factor, but he really has been. No, you're right. He has. He's been, he's been tremendous. And you know, I would love to see a stat on how many runs he has saved with his glove because he's made some phenomenal plays this year. Um, in in the field as well, and um, you you just can't say enough about this guy. He's he's completely he's completely regained his his dominant form, and I did not see this coming at all. And I, I got really into didn't. an argument with somebody on Twitter like a week ago that was he was complaining about Teixeira's batting average, and I'm like, are you out of your freaking mind? Look at every other one of his stats. I don't care if he's hitting 240. He's leading the league in RBIs. He's got an unbelievable OPS. And he's he's hitting home runs and he's he's picking everything at first. I don't care about his two forty batting average. No, not I don't care about it at all either. And he had it up. He actually had it up to like two sixty, I think, at some point too. So, you know, it, it's fluctuating a little bit. But that as long as those power those power numbers there and the production numbers there, and he's still doing what he's doing in the in the field. Who gives a, who gives a shit about what his uh, what his batting average is? Yeah, it doesn't I mean, matter. What what you're really talking about there is okay. So the shift is taking away a few singles to right field. I, right. I, whatever. It's not a big deal. I agree. I agree. All right. Uh, Thursday, the Yankees won the series versus Oakland with a six to two win. This was a day game, and uh, the best part of this game was that Tanaka was unbelievable, and it, it was good because he came into that game and he had struggled in his last four starts, but he went seven and two thirds innings. Uh, he threw 114 pitches. Girardi said after the game that they definitely pushed Tanaka a little bit because they needed some rest for the bullpen because they just had a couple of short starts uh, previously. He was throwing the ball really well. He only gave up hits in the second inning, uh, which was when he gave up the two runs, but he was perfect pretty much after that. 
and also that it was his last start before the All-Star break, so he was going to have uh, a little uh, extra rest there. So really, really good start from Tanaka. Yeah, we needed to see a, a good outing from him. And, you know, getting into the eighth inning, 114 pitches. Uh, I was surprised that Girardi actually um, stretched him out that far. Uh, I'm not I'm not surprised in a bad way. I'm, I'm glad he did it because I think he's, you know, capable of it, obviously. And I think that it was good to see just from our, you know, the fans' eyes to see that he's uh, throwing that many pitches and going that deep into a game. Um, but yeah, he needed a bounce back start, and he was he was dominant. He was uh, he was Tanaka. I mean, like you said, that uh, that one inning uh, where he gave up a couple hits, but he was unhittable from uh, from then on. And during that game, it was also announced that Gardner would replace Alex Gordon in the All Star game. And we already mentioned this, but uh, really happy for Gardner. Oh, well deserved. I mean, so well deserved. He's been such a catalyst and really an MVP on this team. I, I'd say him, he, him and uh, and Teixeira have really been. Uh, two of the MVPs on this on this team, and Gardner's just, you know, he's a leader. He's a he's a a, a catalyst at the top of the lineup. He he plays uh, a Gold Glove left field. He can fill in everywhere else in the field as well in the outfield, and um, you know he's just one of those guys who you root for. Uh, you walk on at college College of Charleston. It's a great story. Absolutely. And that led into uh, the the big weekend series against Boston. Um, it, it was probably one of the most uh, – I was looking forward to this series against the Red Sox more than I have in the last few years with the teams who have not really been that great um, over the last few years. And if one team was good, the other team seemed to be struggling. So this was sort of a uh, the first series in a while where both teams were not only close in the standings but also playing well going in. Well, yeah, and Boston was kind of riding a hot streak too and really climbing the the AL East. I mean, they're still in the cellar, but they're I think when we um when it was, they it was five and a half games going yep. into the weekend. And it got and, to four and a half. Yeah. yeah, and if you're if you're looking at um you know so so here's I, I live in Boston as many people know. This is what everyone was saying, you know, on sports radio in Boston that if the Red Sox take two out of three from the Yankees, they're right back in it. And they're riding high going into the All-Star break. So right. the Yankees definitely needed to go in and put their foot down. And they won two out of three, and that's exactly what you could have asked for. No doubt about it. I think three and a half and five and a half is a huge difference. Um, especially when you have four teams in front of you um, at five and a half games. You know, after you lose two of three from the AL East uh, leading Yankees and your 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 biggest division rival. So yes, it was a it was kind of a definitely putting their foot down and um, and showing them that we mean business, baby. <laughs> so Friday, the Yanks got the win 5-1. to one. I was at this game. It was, uh, I'm sad to say, the first Yankees game I've been to this year, um, which is just insane when you think about it, um, considering how much I watch this team. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm going to be going to a few games coming up in the next few weeks, which is good. But uh, anyway, it was Pineda versus Buckholtz, probably on paper the best pitching matchup going into the weekend. Pineda definitely stepped his game up, uh, and Buckholtz did not. Uh, left with an injury. But Pineda, six and two-thirds, seven hits, one earned run. And again, we've been talking about this for a while. His K-to-walk ratio was great. Six strikeouts, no walks. So he he didn't beat himself. No, he looked dominant. I mean, Pineda looks, when he's on, he's filthy. We've talked about this before. Uh, that K-to-walk ratio is so important because, you know, he really controls the game. And when he's on, um, he's, I think, he's got some of the best stuff in the major league. So... Uh, it was good to see um, him really win that. Buckholtz uh, backs out. I think his um, 
I think he was uh, he was crying a little bit about, about some some injury. I don't know what what was going on, but you know elbow. he's probably gonna be on elbow the shelf strain or something like that. Yeah, something you expect. You know, he's he's gonna be on the shelf probably, which is a good thing for us because he was uh, pitching very well <clears throat> he and an he was really awesome helping out that team. He yeah. had a really dominant June, so this was a big game to come in. And um, it's not like they they racked him around or anything, but they they did you know score a few runs off of him. A Rod set the tone with a moon ball in the first inning. Uh, before really anyone could sit down with their hot dog and beer, A-Rod was uh, rounding the bases to shut the Red Sox fans up, which was nice. And uh, the Yanks had a three-run fourth inning. Uh, pretty much the fact that Buckholtz left the game and a huge error by Brock Holt, who I just want to mention is the only all-star from the Red Sox, <laughs> sort of uh, was the difference in the game. I love the fact that they're booing... A-Rod relentlessly as he hits that home run. He trots <laughs> trots around the bases, steps on home plate, and then runs up to one of the fans in the front row and gives his gloves, his batting gloves. Oh, yeah, to, yeah. To yeah. A kid. So Was it's that like, kid a Yankee fan? I don't know. I didn't see it. I'd like to say he's not because it sounds better, but he probably <laughs> was. Um, and, and we'll talk about this, but he did it again the next night. Yeah. You know, he did the exact same thing. So, you know, they're booing him relentlessly. And, and what does he do is he trots around the bags um, and steps on home plate. And then gives his gloves to a fan. So it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, and that's one of those things that I think that A Rod probably wouldn't have done two years ago or his whole career. You know what I mean? It just it just speaks to the way he's conducted himself this whole season. I yep. mean, the guy has been a freaking angel yep. everywhere. I mean, he he's, he's done everything correct, everything well. I, I don't know who's giving him advice, or you know, if we he, he's doing this, he's finally listening to his own inner self, his inner monologue, yeah. inner dialogue. No. I don't know what's going on with him, but he's doing everything right right now. So. It took him 39 years to get it, but he finally gets it. Yeah. So good for good. him. It's good. I'm happy for him. Me too. Um, all right. So I, I want to question something. Uh, so the situation in the seventh inning was um, there was a guy on second base. And it, it, keep in mind at this point, it was four to one Yankees. And um, – Pineda had 86 pitches, and uh, Mookie Betts is up. So it's righty on righty. And Girardi takes out Pineda and brings in Wilson, who's a lefty, to face the righty Betts. I just don't understand that move. Well, I think the bigger the bigger head-scratcher is why you take Pineda out. I mean, Wilson has been good against righties and lefties, and I think he's brought him in in, in situations that um, you know aren't as, as you know, heavy on the matchup. Um but, yeah, I, I don't really understand why you're taking Pineda out at that time. 86 pitches, pitching really well. I would keep him in uh, to pitch, especially against the right-handed Mookie Betts. Yeah, let him finish the inning. It's, right. I mean, worst-case scenario, he gives up a two-run bomb, and it's it's 4-3. to three. It's still the game. You're still winning. And I don't think he was going to give up a two-run bomb because he was pitching well all, all day. But Girardi's done this all season where, you know, he, he, someone has two outs can clearly, from when you're watching the game, you have confidence that this person's going to get out of an inning, and then he comes out, and t- he's even done it in like five run games in the ninth inning. I mean, I he he just this is just something that Girardi does. You know, he 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 has he has something that he goes by. It's it's in the binder, and he's going to do it. <laughs> it's frustrating sometimes. <laughs> One other thing I want to mention from this game that you're going to enjoy is that okay, so Miller's closing the game out in the ninth inning. He's a lefty. Pablo Sandoval comes up, he, who is a switch hitter. And he bats lefty off Miller because I think he has just totally given up hitting righty. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Let's let's compare those numbers again, um, Panda and Chase Headley, because I think it's my favorite thing to look at this year. So um, as long as Panda's not hitting off of Vivaldi, I, I think he's not that great. 
Yeah, I'm good with it, man. I, I love what Panda's doing up there. I think he's he's doing a great job in Boston. I think he should keep it up. <laughs> so um, I just thought that, that that was interesting, the fact that in the first year of a contract, you, you, got, you brought in a guy who's a switch hitter who you were hoping was going to just pepper the monster um, you know, from the right-hand side is just done hitting righty. So I think the- he's, he's good. He holds his, um, his phone and then, and then actually, um, likes Instagram pictures with his right hand too. <laughs> so he's, he's gone he did, everything. Yeah. He's got everything ready. Yeah. So enjoy that contract, Boston. That'll be a good one. <laughs> I'm sure the Dodgers will come in and swoop out of nowhere and oh, save them again. God. All right. So Saturday, the Yankees dropped one to Boston five to three. Um, this game, uh, sort of, could have gone either way, I thought. Uh, Nova pitched well. He had he gave up four earned runs, but I'm putting the four earned runs in quotes because I don't think those should have been earned runs. Uh, what I'm referring to is that in the seventh inning, Warren comes in um, to relieve Nova. There's two outs, and it's uh, Mookie Betts is up. And there's a guy on first base. At this point of the game, it's 3-1. to one. Uh, or, Yeah, 3-1. to one. And Warren gives up a deep fly ball to Mookie Betts to right field. And Chris Young is zigging and zagging to the ball. I don't know what kind of route he took. And he totally just misplays the ball, tries to backpedal to catch it, can't catch it. It's a triple for Mookie Betts, and the Red Sox extend their lead. Yeah, he completely misplayed the ball. I mean, he was playing really shallow. I mean, I don't really understand why he was playing so shallow. uh, But that, that really, I don't think, should have taken into um the, to play for the route of the ball because he i mean he was definitely he got turned around a couple times and and just completely missed the ball just ate him up and um it, it was definitely a, a costly misplay and and chris young has been good in the field all year so i don't know he's been happened. good yeah he's been good um there's been a few things there's another one that that happened that uh, on sunday that was strange to me uh in, involving chris young but yeah um you know he he's been solid out there i mean it was just, a, I think, a weird play. I just think he misread the ball. I mean, yeah, honestly, I, mean, he, I think that's all, it. All, the bottom line is he has to catch that ball. And he, he should is. catch the ball. There's there's no doubt that ball is definitely catchable. Yeah. And that, that was the difference in the game because that would have preserved uh, – it was it should have still been 3-1, to one and the Yankees ended up scoring three runs in that game. So they would have tied it up, you know, assuming uh, Warren, you know, was fine the rest of the game. But uh, it's just sort of uh, – it, it, it totally gave momentum to the Red Sox. And um, it's really a game I thought the Yankees could have won, um, despite you know, uh, if it weren't for that Chris Young play. But yeah, what are you gonna do? That's baseball. Sometimes you just misplay <laughs> balls. You know what I mean? Thanks, John Sterling. <laughs> That's baseball, folks. <laughs> well, Susan. All right, Yanks won the series though, eight to six um, on Sunday. This was a this was an interesting game. Uh, obviously, I as I mentioned, I missed the whole game, but I was following on my phone and then I watched uh, the highlights, including Ref Snyder's home run about four hundred times since since last night. <laughs> but Avaldi, um, uh, five innings, um, but somehow has nine wins on the season. I can't explain <laughs> it. Uh, yeah. So you look at his stuff, you look at Avaldi's stuff, and then you see the nine wins. You're like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, he's. He's been up and down, and the the biggest thing we we, we keep beating this to, to death as well. But he's just not getting the length. You know, he's giving up too many hits, and you know, Andrew and I were talking about this before uh, we started recording. But I mean, to me, when I'm looking at these hits, it's just strange. It's like they're single, single, single. He's not getting really hit hard, uh, but he's he's all over the plate and missing spots. 
and that's going to lead to uh, you know the bat finding the ball more oftentimes than not. So yeah, I mean his pitchers are leaking out into the middle of the plate. He um, his fastball, while it is good at 98 miles an hour, it's usually um, in the middle of the plate. And yeah, I mean yeah, they're not doubles to the gap, but guys are getting the bat on the ball, and they're and when you're in the strike zone in the middle of the strike zone that much, you're going to give up a lot of hits. So I think he needs to. He really needs to work on getting his stuff in better locations or else he's going to continue to only go five innings. Yeah, and I don't know how you teach that. I mean, that's if you can either throw the ball where you want it or you can't. You know what I mean? It's like at this point in his life, well, it's just, I feel I mean, like it's his, mechanics, his accuracy, though, right? It's mechanics he needs to work on. I think that the pitching coach and, and the team should be able to help him with that. Yeah, well, he has nine wins, so I think he's he's, he's not he's – not, He's getting a lot of run support. That's yeah. definitely uh, something. Yeah, that's he's happening. nine and two, but he hasn't pitched like nine and two. He's got what four four ERA, four and a half ERA, yeah, something along those lines. But he's giving up if the hits to innings. I think the last when he was in the middle of that game, I think he, at, at one point the numbers are probably a little different now. But he was like ninety six innings with like one hundred and twelve or one hundred and seventeen hits, something crazy. So he's giving up a lot of hits, too many hits, and that that's just going to lead to problems. So. Yes, hopefully he can clean it up. But up until right now, you know, we're living with it, and it's it's going okay, so I'm not going to complain too much. Well, here's the thing that I'm worried about, is that if you have Avaldi and Sabathia in the rotation only go, going five innings, that's twice that's twice a week that your bullpen is having to go four innings. Yeah, no, you're right. We need some. We need more depth from these guys. There's no doubt. We need depth. I mean, this, you know, what you want from your four and five starters is you want you know what you want a quality start and you want them to get deep in the game. That's that's pretty much you want them to eat some innings, um, so that they can so that they can you know get get deep into a game and the um, the bullpen doesn't have to completely relieve them every single time. But but you know they're they're four and five starters for a reason. At the same time, um, you can't expect them to pitch like a one or two. So the fact that he is coming in. Uh, to the all-star break with nine wins is um, is pretty sweet. All right, Yanks bats came alive in the sixth inning. A-Rod, Chris Young, and Headley all had RBI doubles. Um, and that's sort of, they finally uh, came alive um, all in one inning, which was good. Sort of extended their lead. And then um, Red Sox came back again, though. Um, so it was sort of a seesaw of a game. Well, yeah, and the one thing I, I was talking about Chris Young beforehand is, this was in the ninth inning, I guess, or... I think it was the ninth inning, but there was a play. There was a ball to um, to right field that Chris Young like double clutched. Who was Hanley Ramirez was coming around to it was score. A, I think it was earlier in the game. Actually. It may have been earlier in the game, but it was um, Hanley Ramirez was coming around to score, and like Chris Young just like kind of double clutched and then kind of lollipopped it to Tex, and then Tex double clutched, and there was still a bang bang play. I mean, it was still a play that that was close, and if Chris Young pulls back and throws that ball home, uh, I think Hanley Ramirez is out by five feet. Um, but it was so it was just a, a head scratcher. Like why you know why didn't you throw the ball? Um, so I didn't really understand that. So that was kind of two two weird plays by Chris Young in this series in right field. Yeah, no, neither of those plays are errors, but it's it's plays that should be. They right. don't show up in the box score, but the, you know if you're watching the game, they're definitely stand out for sure. Yep. Uh, yeah, and the Yankees defense was a little shaky. Uh, McCann also made an error in the ninth inning that sort of got the game close. Um, you know, you're thinking Ref Snyder's insurance runs, you know, great. It's a four-run game. Don't even worry about it. Miller, though, has looked a little shaky since coming back from the disabled list, which I guess you can expect. He needs to shake off some rust. But, I mean, his defense didn't help him in the ninth inning. And the Red Sox lead the league in unearned runs scored, so they've been lucky a lot this year. And they actually lead by a lot. I think the stats are like they have scored like 59 unearned runs this year and the next team has only scored like 
like like 35 or something like that. So that just leads me to believe is that they're going to just fall off the standings. In yeah, the second I mean, half. I mean that luck is going to go away. Yeah, I agree. They're not they're not a good team. No, I agree. And then, you know, in this game, obviously the one of the biggest highlights of this game was Mr. Ref Snyder coming in, getting his first hit, um, and then delivering a two-run shot in the ninth that was uh, that ended up being the deciding runs in the game. So good for good for Ref Snyder getting those uh, in Boston right before the All-Star break. And I wanted to mention something actually that that we we played that quote earlier in the um, in the show. Uh, but one thing I, I heard that that I didn't catch the first time was Ref Snyder talking about the All-Star break and, and you know, how, how everybody's going to kind of relish those days off. And he said, quote, it was a lot of veterans and a lot of us are going to, <laughs> to have, um, you know, a good extended break, which, which, is kind of, which is kind of interesting, right? Because it, I feel like these, these guys in AAA right now are taking that approach. They're like, look, we're good enough and we're going to get to the show and show them that we are the next the next uh, you know, youth movement in the New York Yankees. I feel like they're taking that mentality and really embracing it. Just by that quote, you can kind of tell it's like a, a little bit of a separation. You know what I mean? I mean, I definitely liked the way he conducted himself in that post-game interview. And, you know, you saw, like you said, you saw the guys really congratulating him, you know, giving him high fives, really embracing him in the dugout. Um, I, I think he's, he could only be positive for this team the longer he stays on the team. So I really just hope... Please don't trade him, Cashman. Please don't trade him. Yeah, seriously, do not trade this man. <laughs> he, he's got nothing but upside. Nothing but upside. Yeah. All right. So it was a good way to go in the All-Star break. Um, you got you got a nice uh, extended break here, and then you come back with three versus Seattle. Um, hopefully we can we can show it to Rob, shove it down Robbie Cano's throat over the weekend at Yankee Stadium next weekend, and uh, keep the train moving. Let's do it, baby. Rob, I want, and I want Ref Snyder to have a ridiculous series in that. I know, against right? Them too. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so I think we got some Instagram questions, right? Yeah, we did a, a mailbag this time. Um, we we kind of put it on Instagram, and we'll, we'll start doing this more often too. Um, so if you follow us on Instagram or if you don't, go over there and, uh, and check us out. Um, but we'll put up a, a picture once a week that, that basically has something, um, you know, asking for mailbag questions. And rather than emailing us, you can also just put them right on Instagram. Um, and, and we'll get to him from there. So yeah, we, we uh, let's kick a couple off. I think the, the first one is from uh, at Joey Kagan. He said, "How do you think the Yankees can improve in the second half of the season in their push for the playoffs? Also, do you think a bomb can keep up his production as well as Teixeira? So Joey, thanks for the the question. So for this question, let's not um, talk about trades because we're going to get into that in a second. So just about who's on the roster now. Um, or who's in the system now? How can the Yankees improve in the second half uh, for their playoffs? Well, uh, well, yeah, what do you think? Well, the aforementioned Mr. Rob Refsteiner, um, we're not talking about trade, so we're not going to talk about trading him. <laughs> he is going to be on the team. He's going to be the starting second baseman. He's going to um, improve the bottom of the lineup dramatically, I think, by getting on base more often um, and then really setting up Ellsbury and uh, Gardner um, a lot better than they have been. So I think that is a huge improvement. And then obviously getting the guys uh, back healthy in the, in the bullpen. Yeah, I guess uh, to mention one other area that you didn't, I think that CC and Evaldi need to, at least one of them needs to start going longer in games. They, I mean, it would be great if they both could, but at least one of them needs to, needs to extend their outings every time out to really give the bullpen a rest, really. That's the biggest aspect. Uh, second part of that question, do you think A-Rod and Teixeira can keep up this production? Um, 
they better or else this team is not winning the division. Um, and I think as long as they stay healthy, they'll they'll continue to have good seasons. And there's nothing to point in the direction that they're not going to keep it up. I mean, we haven't seen, knock on wood, um, any any lingering injuries with either of these guys. I mean, they've been completely, <laughs> there it is. We, they've been completely healthy so far. And they've, um, you know, Teixeira looks like he's in great shape. Um, A-Rod looks like he's, you know, really relishing this DH role. And they're not putting him in the field anymore. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's a DH. Because he's, you can't risk injury. Right. And he's just too important to this team right now. When they see, I think they saw his level of production and how he was hitting the ball. And they're like, this, that's just not going to happen anymore. He's not going in the field. So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, keep him off the field. That's, that will be one. And then, uh, yeah, stay healthy. I think they can keep it up. I mean, I didn't think they were going to produce to begin with. So I, I don't know why they can't produce after the All-Star break. Everything's going in the right direction. So. Teixeira already has as many home runs and RBIs as he did all of last season. And it's only the All-Star break. It's crazy. It really is. It really is crazy looking at those numbers. So yeah, I mean, hopefully they can keep it up. And but honestly, looking at the two of them and their their condition and uh, you know, kind of all the elements that are going into it, it doesn't seem like th- there's nothing to say. No, they won't. Yeah, one through five in this lineup is fantastic. Totally agree. It's only going to get and the bottom's going to get better, and hopefully Beltran can come back. That's the other one is that Beltran is going to be back and. Hopefully this, uh, you know, this little bit of an extension, uh, extended rest for him will help. I don't know. And I'm not, I'm not counting. I'm not really holding that hope for Beltran. I mean, yeah, he's going to come back and healthy, but I don't know how long he'll stay healthy, and I don't know if he'll produce. So, I mean, it, it's it not can't a, be much worse to tell you the truth. Yeah, I mean, all he you can remember do is how help. bad he was in the field. He was real bad. <laughs> he was real bad. Um, but after seeing Chris Young for the past two days, maybe that's not so bad. Uh, no, but he was. Um, you know, if he can regain a little bit of of his offensive form, I, I think he'll live with uh, some of the stuff in in right field. He's still got a good arm, um, but you know he's definitely limited physically. All right, well, what's the next question? So Andrew, a lab, we call you Andrew Library. Um, <laughs> sorry, we'll, we'll, we'll sorry, put your, we cannot pronounce your last name. <laughs> yeah, sorry, man. We'll we'll put your uh, we'll put your Instagram name in the uh, in the write up. But he he asks also, um, do you guys feel the Yankees should make a trade for a top player? like a Johnny Cueto or a Cole Hamels, or keep their prospects and maybe pull off a trade for a middle-of-the-pack bat. Um, and, and this is going to lead us, I think, into our, our trade proposals that we're doing, right? So, yeah. So uh, Scott uh, texted me middle of the week, and he's like, I think we should do trade proposals on the next podcast, but not share them beforehand. So we're going into this. I don't know what you're proposing. I don't know. You don't know what I'm proposing. Who knows? We could propose the same thing, could propose or the same thing. we could call each other morons. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Uh, good question, Andrew. Um, but uh, what's your first trade proposal? You know, How do you think the Yankees should approach this trade deadline? What's your first move? Okay, so let's talk about, I guess we can lead this off with like general, um, you know, the theme of, of the way that the Yankees should conduct themselves in the trade deadline. Um, I do not think the Yankees should be sellers in any of their top minor league prospects. That's my major, major underlying theme here. Um, what that leads to is that we're not going to get a Johnny Cueto or a Cole Hamels in my book. What I do think the Yankees could use right now, um, I actually think that the Yankees offensively are in good position. I think we have good bench players. I think we have some guys in the minor leagues who are, are ready to contribute. So I really don't think that we need uh, anybody uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Can I interject I, there for a minute? Sure. Who the hell is out there to really upgrade a, a, from a bat perspective? Teams are not giving away bats like right now. You're right. There's not that many I mean, guys. There's I mean, nobody out there in the trade market that could upgrade this team offensively. 
in any way that I think could impact in the second half. I agree. Unless they're unless someone is giving up someone major for big prospects, but yeah, I, I, don't I don't see anybody but, doing that. Yeah, because there's so many teams in contention right now. Yeah, uh, exactly. The whole major leagues, if you look across the board, there are a ridic- ridiculous amount of teams that are like, still in contention. 75% of the league is still in the playoff hunt. <laughs> yeah, so you got guys that, uh, that, that can help you, but there's nobody that's going to be a standout that, that can really just come in and, and I think put anybody over the top, especially for, this, for our team, because I think we have a, a pretty stacked offensive lineup right now. So, so what, what do I think is going to happen? Um, you want both of them right now? I'll, just give you, I'll give you two of my two guys that I think we're going to target. All right. So what I think is that we can use some help in the back of the rotation. And I could see them going after um, two specific guys. One, the Cincinnati Reds, Mike Leak. I think Mike Leak is a perfect guy. He's 27 years old, um, right-handed pitcher who could come in and really help the back of the, uh, the rotation. He's not going to dazzle you, but he is going to eat some innings. He's going to produce some quality starts, and I think he could really help the team. Um, and I don't think it's going to take a lot to get him. I think cash considerations and some probably some low-level prospects would, would do the trick for a guy like um, Mike Leak. Um, yeah, and he's a free agent at the end of the year. So, exactly. So, you know, if you're Cincinnati, who are sellers right now, um, you know, be, I don't think they're going to – who knows if they want to re-sign him. I don't know. But, um, yeah, they could definitely probably part ways with him for, for a mid-level prospect, like you said. So Cincinnati's an interesting – uh, team to look at because of, because they are sellers and they do have some assets, um, and you know we're just this is not my second proposal, but I want to talk about it real quick. The the another bat that I think could make a positive effect in the lineup is a guy like Brandon Phillips, but Brandon Phillips has a, a giant contract that nobody wants to take on. Um, so the the Reds are going to look to dump Phillips, and I think in that Cueto deal. Whoever gets Cueto, I think that could be a part of it, is that the Reds want them to take on the contract. Yeah, and we already have our future second baseman. And we already have our future second <laughs> baseman, and so there, therefore I don't see this happening. So that I think we could go for um, you know, there, there's a guy like Mike Leake for, for Cincinnati, and I'd be happy with that. All right, yeah, uh, the that's other, not bad. The other guy that I think they, we could target, who also has a contract up at the end of the season, is a little older, 32 years old. But is a quality a quality starter and has done very well this year and is a left-handed starting pitcher who could really shut down some left-handed bats at Yankee Stadium is Scott Casimir. Scott Casimir with the Oakland A's, who I think the A's will be also selling off um, some of their assets, especially a guy who has their contract up at the end of the year, um, could be gotten for I think he had a, a two-year twenty-two million dollar deal something yeah, around in that it's range. Up, it's up at the end of this year. I mean, they're definitely going to trade him. So he's a guy that I think the Yankees could really target that, that could help in the, um, in the back of the, the, the rotation as well that I think could be, um, that could be very effective in Yankee Stadium and is I a guy that I don't think he's going to take up too much, uh, take too much to get him as well. So that was one of mine, actually. That was the starter I wanted to acquire. Mm-hmm. But I actually think you're underselling him. I think he's better than a back end of the rotation guy. I, no, I, I'll agree with that. Like, I'd say middle of the rotation. You're yeah. right. I'd say he's like a three. I, okay, yeah. I mean, I would even say he's the number two, but um, not on the Yankees. Yeah, okay. F- we're splitting hairs at this point, but yes, yes I think he Scott Casimir definitely. So I, I'll tr- I'll change up my my second proposal. Um, but okay, yeah, I definitely like those two moves. Definitely a position of need. Um, but then you're talking about you know who's coming out of the rotation if they make a trade for one of these guys. Yeah, th- this is uh, this is the the quandary that I don't have an answer to, um, but uh, Joe Girardi hopefully does. But I, I still think that they're not comfortable with that rotation right now. I I, no, I can't I believe that they're not comfortable. They're they're comfortable with what's happening. So I don't know what they'll do. 
Um, but I, I think that's what they'll target. The, the thing about the thing about Casimir is he's going to take a little bit more of a prospect. Yeah. Um, to get him, and maybe maybe one of our, you know, I don't think they're getting rid of Severino, Judge, or Ref Snyder. I don't see those guys getting um, getting moved. The two guys that I could see uh, being moved are Bird and Sanchez, yeah. guys that have that have you know um, some some prospect status and that could really. Um, be appealing to another team. I could see those two, one of those two guys, if not both of those guys, getting moved. And that's what uh, Billy Bean's going to be looking for: is off- young offensive help. Right. He's not. So gonna I could be, see. Yeah, I could not. see that, and, and and that would be something you know I would really consider. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. Um, and, and be, because you could also look into re-signing Casimir after the season. Um, I don't think he's going to demand like some crazy five-year contract. So. Not with his injury history, yeah. he's not going to. Um, and you know the fact that Gary Sanchez and Bird, while they are nice young players, and you know I think a lot of Yankee fans hope to see them in the Bronx someday. There is some depth in the, in both of those um, positions. I think McCann will eventually go to to, to be a first baseman um, towards the end of that contract. So I think the Yankees will move him to first base at some point. I mean he's he's already been taking reps at first base occasionally as well. So. Um, I don't think we're in dire need of a, of a first baseman. And then catching, you know, we have some depth. <clears throat> All right, so you ready for my trade proposals? Yeah, let's do it. I want to hear it. My first guy is that I think the Yankees should go after is Tyler Clippard, uh, who's currently with Oakland, who we've talked about. I think we just want to make trades with Oakland because we know Billy Bean is just always ready to make trades. But he, he's signed to a one-year contract. Oakland's probably out of it. Uh, he's currently their closer. But I think he could really bolster the back end of the Yankees' bullpen. And if you add in a guy like Clippard, that shortens the game to like six innings. And with the way the rotation is, that's what the Yankees need. So I really think the Yankees could get Clippard for not that much. Um, you know, we're talking about like a like a mid-level prospect at that point. Um, I don't know exactly who it is, but I know you're definitely not giving up one of the top guys that we've already mentioned. Yeah, no, I like that move. I think another right-hander uh, that's that's pretty steady in the in the pen who has closing experience um, would be a would be a definitely a, a good asset for this team down the stretch. And you know he's pitched in Yankee Stadium before, which is a good thing. Yep. Um, so yeah, I think that's a that's a that's a good guy to target. Yeah, as you mentioned, he came up with the Yankees in 2007 and then went to Washington and had a really good career in Washington, um, and uh, sort of moved to the bullpen. And uh, he's with Oakland now having another good year. So I think that could be a real plus for the Yankees, who's not going to really break the bank. If my memory serves me, it was uh, Jonathan Albadejo, is that, who was uh, traded for Tyler Clippard to the Nationals. Oh, God, I have no clue. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a dynamite trade. All right, so since you took my Scott Kazmier, um trade proposal, I'm going to switch it up. And I know you mentioned you don't think the Yankees are going to go after a big name like Cueto or Hamels. But if they do, I think they should go after Cole Hamels. Because he's signed through 2018. So he's not a rental. If you're going to give up a top prospect, a grade A prospect, um, then I want it to be for a guy that uh, not only is going to you know, put you over the top this season, but also help you down the stretch and I think, or down the road. And I think Cole Hamels could do that. Um, now, I don't know if the Phillies are going to be selling because they've got some management issues going on. But uh, if the Yankees are going to go after a top guy like Hamels or Cueto or Samarja, I would prefer it to be Cole Hamels strictly for his contract. The problem with Cole Hamels is that I think he's going. they're going to be asking for more than one top prospect. I mean, I think they're looking for, uh, I think early rumors 
this was even in the off season um, and into last year. But they were looking at Severino and Judge. Like that, those are the two guys that they were looking at. I'm, and I'm not giving that up for for Cole Hamels. I'm sorry. I, I just I don't want to do it. I don't want to. I don't want to. Um, you know, cut off our farm system for an arm that, you know, we've seen just so many injuries with starting pitching. I, I don't think I'd want to do that. And with Severino, uh, you know, with the potential, I think that he's, he's, the scouts see him as a number two um, in the majors. You know, to me, that's, that's a guy that I want on the, on the, on the Yankees. Yeah. I mean, it would probably take Severino and another guy. I don't think it would take Severino and Judge. Um, I think you could do it for like a guy like Severino and Lindgren or Severino and Gary Sanchez or something along those lines. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're going to go after a big name, you're going to have to give up big prospects. And yeah, I know. If you're trading pitching or if you're getting pitching back, then I guess you can afford to give up a guy like Severino. Um, I'm not saying I'm not even totally sold on it as I'm talking about it. But um, <laughs> if it's going to be one of those big names, Hamels would be the guy I want. I think right now you're playing with you're playing with fire as the uh, as as Brian Cashman and some of the Yankees brass because for a couple of reasons one I think the Yankees fans are really invested in these minor leaguers just the feeling you know just from from listening to people and talking on Twitter and just talking to other Yankee fans um, even in the stadium too I feel like we're really invested in these specifically these three guys in Rep Snyder in Severino and in Judge. Um, I, I really feel like the Yankee fans are excited about seeing these guys and the fact that they've really been producing. I mean, Severino has been lights out since he's come to AAA. Lights out. And I, I think you're really playing with fire by, by trading some of these guys for a guy like Cole Hamels, who has, you know, has had injury problems in the past, um, hasn't pitched in the, in the AL East or in the American League, and we've seen people come over to the AL and not been, not been what they were in the, in the National League. There's just there's just a lot of things that that go into that that leads me to believe that they're not going to do it. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're totally right about that. But I think if the Yankees are going to give up, or I think Yankee fans um, will be okay with giving up a top prospect if they can see the guy uh, in pinstripes for the next few years, which Hamels would be. No doubt. And, you know, we're going to have a lot more information on this too. Donnie Collins, who is a beat writer, for uh, for Scranton Wilkesbury is actually to be joining us this week on a special episode. Gonna we're gonna talk to him. He's been watching Scranton all season. Uh, and he could give us some real insight on you know what's going on down there and and really just I think some more uh, just some some eyes that have been on Judge and Severino. I mean, granted they've only been up for a little bit, but he's seen Sanchez play and some of these other guys play. I think he's gonna give some some really good insight on on those guys and and kind of what we can expect at the major league level from some of these guys. So that'll be a that'll be a fun episode and we'll have that coming up as well. Yeah, absolutely. He'll be able to tell us if he thinks the Yankees are gonna be parting ways with these guys or if he thinks they'll be in the Bronx for for years to come. So um, as you mentioned that episode will be coming up later this week, you know maybe Wednesday or Thursday when we got some of these off days. So definitely keep an eye out for that. But um, in the meantime, enjoy the few days off from from Yankees baseball. We're riding high in first place. And hopefully when we come back next week, we're talking about another series win for Seattle. Talk to you guys next Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. 
Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.